good? Y'all ready? You ready? Let me tell you ready. Ready, 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 ready. I have one announcement. In case you don't know, Mandy is pregnant, just so you know. All right, and we're excited. Yeah, that was a undercover adventure we did not expect. The Lord is Jehovah Sneaky. <laughs> I was like, man, I'm going to be the oldest dad at graduation. I'm going to be 41 when I'm going to, the little girl, that's what I'm hoping for. I'll take either. I mean, three sons, that'd be awesome. But whenever the baby's born, I'll be 41 years old. Josiah will be 12 and Matthias will be nine. So we're going to be like grandparents. Stephen was like, it's okay. I was older than that when I had Nathan. I was like, that doesn't make me feel any better, though. <laughs> oh, so if you think about it, when you think about it, pray for Mandy. Um, we do. She is class in a high-risk case. So we're praying that the Lord just takes care of her body physically. There's, there's something we know what it is, and they treat it well. But um, still, we just want to pray that things go well for her. And tell her to stay off Google. Stop the Google searches on all this stuff. Did you know that reading gives you cancer? <laughs> the more you read, the more you have wrong with you. Have you ever done that? You're reading like, oh, what's this bump on my face? Oh my, oh my gosh, this dude lost his whole jaw because of a ant bite. You know, like you, before you know it, you're in this wormhole of disaster. So reading gives you cancer. That's what our doctor told her. Say, Mandy, stop reading. It gives you cancer. So... I uh, just pray for her. I do want to give you a really quick update on um, my side project with the Sozo ministry. And uh, so we had our meeting this Wednesday. I mean, uh, remember what, what I'm talking about? Sozo with our, with our denomination. Um, it's been very resistant to this kind of stuff uh, for a long time. And so myself and Randy Hill met with um, six or seven of our leaders, and it could not have gone better. Um, they are hundred percent, yes, we want this. And just in case you don't know, what we're trying to do is bring Sozo ministry, which is its inner healing and de- deliverance ministry, to our fellowship that we belong to. It's Assemblies of God is who, I'm, we're, who we're connected with. And <clears throat> they, they're like, what, what is Sozo? What does this mean? They're that kind of stuff, right? And then so we got to present to them why, why it's important, um, why it's necessary. They say 1,700 ministers leave the ministry every month. They're just like, I've had it, I'm through. 1,700. And then they say 3,500 people a day, not just a month, a day, leave the church. Because they've had it with the church. And so when I heard those stats, I was like, I want to know why. Why are ministers leaving and why are people leaving? Guess what I found out? It's all the same reasons. It's hurt, wounds, and offense. And if we can heal our ministers... And if we can heal our church people, then our churches will grow and be healthy. And so we presented that to them. They're 100% on board with it. And so as we made our presentation, they said, well, we think the next step, so we had a whole list of our steps, and the Lord gave me how to plan it all out. Um, our next step was to move on. And they said, well, we think there's something we need to do first. And what they said sounded like a big roadblock in my mind because I know And I was like, oh, well, we didn't plan on going through that route, through that gate. I was kind of concerned, to be honest with you, because this gate is a slow gate. This gate is an an old school gate, right? And that person was immediately on board. That gate, I'm sorry, did I say, that gate was immediately, (laughs) 
and was immediately on board and ready for us to go for it. And so we're, our, we've already moved through the first meeting. We've moved through the second thing that I thought was going to be an obstacle and a hurdle. And now we're moving quickly toward this is going to become a reality. They even said yes to next, next summer at our council um, of having Sozo available for any minister that wants it. They've already said yes to that. So we can already plan for this stuff to happen. So this is a big deal, guys. Like, I don't know if you understand how important this is. What would the church look like if all the ministers were healthy? And they didn't hurt people. What would the church look like if all the people in the church were healthy and knew how to handle conflict and knew where to get their needs met? Did you know that God gave us our father and our mother and our siblings to meet our needs, right? How many believe that that's true? Our father was given to us to meet our needs for protection, for identity, and provision. How many believe that's a role of a father? Protect, identity, and provision. He gave us our mothers to nurture us and to comfort us and to be our teacher, right? And he gave us our siblings and our friends for, communi- for communication, for friendship, for fellowship. So he gave us these people in our life to meet our needs. And guess what? We are all incapable of getting our needs met from our earthly father, mother, and siblings. So why would God give us a model where the father can fall short? And the mother can fall short. And the siblings and the friends can fall short. Why would he do that? Because it points us to our heavenly father who never falls short. And our Holy Spirit, which is like our mom, the nurturer, the comforter, who never fails to comfort and nurture us. And Jesus, who's the friend who sticks closer than a brother. So we can't get our needs met on earth, we are going to be wounded. But when we get wounded, we know where we can go. And that's through God, Holy Spirit, and Jesus. And we believe that. And so that's what Sozo Ministry does. And so um, I'm excited about this. It's going gonna, it's gonna to add more to our plate. But um, I, as many of you want to go along this journey, we want you. If you're interested in ministering to people and doing Sozo Ministry, we'd love for you to be part of these teams, to go out and train people and to travel and do whatever. So sound fun? Good, so pray about it, think about it. It's, it's going really well. What else, something else that was really cool, I'll tell this, this side, side note. Um, there was a mix-up when they set up the arrangement, the meeting, um, and when they said, they said Jared Patterson in, in our district, my dad is like famous for whatever, he's famous for whatever, he's famous, right? And so they heard Gerald Patterson. So I didn't even get an email invite to the meeting. My dad did, which he wasn't even supposed to be invited so through the mix-up, I, I knew I was supposed to be there. They knew I was supposed to be there, but for some reason they mentioned it to him, and he was going to show up. And I was like, well, I, I think that was just for me, Dad. I'm not trying to say you can't come, but the, the meeting was for, for me, right? And the night before, I'm talking to my dad because we found out it was Tuesday. We found out that Mandy, uh, the little blue line, was there. And so... <laughs> And, and I'm telling him, and he's like, oh, I'll see you tomorrow at the meeting. I was like, oh, okay. And that, to me, that, that brought fear because that's my dad. Like, oh, I make this presentation in front of my dad. Uh, can, can I say everything that I really want to say here? Like, there's this thing that happens. I don't know if it happens to you, but it did with me. And it was awesome having my dad there. He, he sat there, listened to the whole presentation, and then he says, you know what? I need this. And if you know my dad, <laughs> it's a big deal. He said, I've carried wounds because I'm, I'm a fourth-generation Assembly of God minister. 
But we had generations, two generations before that that were like rodeo preachers and, and Presbyterian or Baptist or something other than that. So we, we, and he said, I've carried along every wound and every offense. And he said this in the meeting. He said, you know, I can, he goes, I don't try to. He goes, but if I stop, I can think back to every hurtful thing that a church person said to me through the years. I can remember it. He's like, I need to let this stuff go. He's like, I need to be healed from this. And I was like, oh, this is so awesome. This is perfect. So I just want you to know what's going on. Um, I want you to be a part of this. Like, this is a, a calling for our house for health and wholeness. And so, yes to that. So, Lord, we love you today. We thank you um, for your presence. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And we trust you. And we love you. And we ask that you would speak to us and bring change in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to give you the condensed version, all right? Reader's Digest version today. So if you want to open to Matthew 5, that's where we're going to go in just a moment. <clears throat> but I want to set a quick foundation as we go into that. And we'll see what the Lord can do today. Amen. Last week we talked about moving beyond just the intellectual relationship with God. And we talked about having the heart connection. Anyone remember, remember that? Um, of reconnecting from the heart and working from the inside out. So we'll, we'll kind of hit that same topic in a different way today. Um, how many have heard of the band The Who? Who are you? Who, 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 who? <laughs> One of their songs, it's called uh, <laughs> Won't Get Fooled Again. Anyone ever heard of Won't Get Fooled Again? And there's a line in there that you've probably all heard. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss, right? How many have ever felt that before? Meet the new boss, same as the old boss, right? Albert Einstein said this. He said, we can't solve problems using the same kind of thinking we used to create the problem. Meet the old boss, same as the, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. We can't solve problems with the same thinking that created the problem. And so I want to kind of go back in history and just t take a picture from the bubonic plague. How many remember learning about that in school around in the 14th century, right? In England, in Europe, and all around the whole region, there's a plague called the bubonic plague, or the black plague is what they call it at the time. And it was horrible. Every village, every city was being ravished by this. And um, in many cities, they say that over 50% of the population was killed. And can you imagine Arlington with almost 400,000 people and a plague hitting it and 200,000 people being dead over a period of time? And we're the only ones left. And this was happening in, in city after city and village after village. And we know these were the dark ages. This was before, um, and before the Renaissance and, and man's thinking became elevated and there was commerce and things changed and industry and, and things like that. So they didn't know what was causing this. They didn't have science and medicine that came through the Renaissance. And so they just had to basically deal with this the best they knew how. So after time, no one could figure out why, why, is this, why are people dying? We know there's something that's being spread. We, we know that, but we don't know where it comes from. So after some time, there were some brilliant observers. They noticed a pattern. And they noticed that there were lots of cats where the plague was most severe. And there were very few cats where the plague was least severe. So all you cat haters in the room like myself, like those cats are always up to no good. It's got to be the cats right? It's, if it were dogs, it'd be a completely different story, right? But they noticed that everywhere the plague was the worst, there were more cats than, than where it was less severe. So what did they figure out? Well, if there are cats where the plague is worse, then the cats must be the problem, right? So what did they do? They exterminated cats everywhere they could go. They killed the cats. Whatever city they were in, they killed them. 
exterminated them. They, I don't know how they did it. They put them in bags and, and whatever, whatever it is. I'm just, you know, thinking. I mean, this is how I would take care of a cat. <laughs> don't go into the details. Manny's like, oh, okay, okay, stop it. They killed all the cats everywhere. And guess what happened? The plague stopped. No, I'm just kidding. The plague got worse. It actually went further into a depressing state. It got worse. And so these guys thought they were being really intelligent, thought they discovered a pattern, thought they figured out a solution to the pattern. They acted upon it, and they made the problem worse. (laughs) Why? Because they did not yet understand that the plague was actually caused by the Yersinia pestis bacteria, which was carried by a certain type of flea that lived on the rats that the cats were actually eating. So the cats weren't the problem. They were actually saving lives because they were eating the rats that were infested with this flea that was causing the plague. So when they got rid of the cats, the rat population grew up, the fleas that carried the problem, and it made the problem worse. How many have ever felt like we've done that to our situations before? In reality, the cats were saving lives. They weren't killing lives. And these leaders knew something was wrong. They knew something needed to be changed. They thought they figured out a pattern. And so with the knowledge that they had at the moment, they made a wise decision. If it was you or I, and we were in that time, wouldn't we have thought, man, that's, that's the right decision. Kill all the cats. Because the cats are there, the plague's really bad. Very few cats, less plague. Obviously, it's the cats, right? But that wasn't the problem. It's because they didn't know what they didn't know yet. Hello? All right. If we misdiagnose a problem, we will also mistreat the problem. Always. If we misdiagnose a problem, we will always mistreat the problem. And this is something I've talked about over the last few months. And and again, I'm going to condense this today because um, of time and everything. But I want us to understand. Remember a few weeks back, I talked about the spirit of self-righteousness for two or three weeks in a row, right? And, And this is why... I want to go back to this. Self-righteousness is, I think I can take from what I know now with my wisdom and my knowledge and my understanding, and I can figure out a, a solution in my mind, and I can apply it to my life, and it will fix the problem. There's a flaw in that thinking. What is that flaw? We don't know what we don't know. Are the motives right? Absolutely. I just want to get better. I just want to fix this. Were the motives right of the, the, the guys that figured this out with the cats and all the stuff? Yeah, their motives were right. Their heart was in the right place. The problem was they didn't have all the information. And what happens so often with us is we, we come to the Lord and we're like, man, I know there's a problem there. We, with our wisdom and through our eyes and through our history with God, look at it and we think we can come up with a solution. The, the problem is his ways are higher than our ways. His understanding is more vast than ours. Is this making any sense? And so we diagnose the problem with the information we have, and then we mistreat the problem because we just don't know what we don't know. I want to go to Matthew chapter 5. So if you'll go with me to Matthew chapter 5, I want to hit on some things from there real quickly. Matthew 5, let's see which verse we're going to start from.
start with verse 17, okay? Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I did not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. All right, this is a really important thing for us to understand. God did not come to us, Jesus did not come to us to, to get rid of the ways of God that have always worked from the beginning of time. He didn't come in and create a new covenant and, and say the old covenant is completely irrelevant. He came to fulfill it. He came to show why and how to fulfill the old covenant. He didn't come to do away with it. And so there's a danger in, in a New Testament church for us to say, well, the Old Testament and the law, it's, it's really not important. Well, there's a big flaw in that thinking because the law of the Lord is perfect. The psalmist said it converts the soul. The testimony of the, of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So... The law of God is not the problem. It was, it's our application of the law that was the problem. And from the beginning of time until Jesus came, man attempted to externally apply the law to their lives. And the law can't be applied through external rules and regulations. The law can't be applied from an outside-in perspective. The law doesn't work from an intellectual standpoint. It works from a heart standpoint. And so when Jesus came, he's like, hey, I'm about to say a whole lot of things that's going to blow your mind. But I want you to know, before I say them, I didn't come to say my, my dad's laws were wrong. I didn't come to say his laws were weak or in, insignificant. I came to say his ways are the best way, but I want to give to you more information. The information you have now is insufficient, so I want to give you more information. And then this is what he goes and he does to them, right? He says this, For I truly say to you, until heaven and earth passes away, not one letter or one stroke shall pass away from the law until it is all accomplished. Who, um, whoever um, then annuls one of these, the least commandment, and teaches others to do so will be called the least in the kingdom. But whoever keeps and teaches them, keeps what? And teaches what? The law. But we're not under law, we're under grace. You're right. We're not under the law. We're under a new law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It sets us free from the law of sin and death. Why? Because the law was weak because it was not meant to be applied externally or through intellect. The law becomes powerful when it becomes written on our hearts. Why was Jesus the perfect sacrifice? It was because the law of his father was written on his heart. The Bible says that it was actually the zeal of the Lord, that cons- the zeal for his father that consumed him. So from the inside out, Jesus lived. You never find Jesus talking about his struggles with his temper or his anger on, in an external way. He dealt with everything internally, and it moved to, and it manifested to an external thing. He even says, I've, I've been tempted in every way that you have, and I didn't fail. Because he dealt with it from an inside-out perspective. The law says you fail when you act upon your temptation. The law says you failed when you acted upon what you thought about. The new law, the law of the Spirit says you failed when you let a condition in your heart stay longer than it should. And you're going to hear Jesus talk about this. Are you all okay? 
This is a deep thing, so I want to go quickly, but I want to also take my time if that makes any sense. So I'll have one foot on the gas, one foot on the brake. Like the, the people that drive that drive you crazy that do that. You ever dri- driven with that? <laughs> or their brake lights never go off? Like, psh, poor guys, brakes, brake job every four months. <clears throat> so it says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom. What is he saying? The scribes and the Pharisees completely knew the law in their mind. It was written in their head. But that did not produce a righteousness inside of them because it did not become written on their hearts. All right? And then you're going to hear some seemingly contradictory things. You ready? You have heard it said from the ancients, you shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder will be liable to the court. He's saying you have been taught. This is the law. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be found guilty in the court. And whoever calls his brother Raka or you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Whoa. Let's keep going through this, all right? It goes on down. Let's see here. I don't have the verses written out, so you'll have, I think it's verse 27. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery because she's where? In his heart. Then he goes on down. You have heard it said. It was said, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard the ancients say, you shall not make vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, don't make any vows. Don't swear by heaven or by earth. He keeps going. You have heard it said. What's he talking about? The law. The law says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Wow. If anyone wants to sue you, go ahead and just give them the shirt off your back. That sounds like the opposite of what's human nature, right? And then let them have your coat also. If someone wants you to go with them one mile, go with them two miles. Then he goes on. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor, but what? Hate your enemy. The law says that. The law says you shall love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. So why? So that you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven. Wow. For he causes, listen to this, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends the rain or blessing from heaven on the righteous and on the unrighteous. And this is probably my favorite part of the whole thing. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you get? Don't even the tax collectors do the same thing? If you greet only your brothers, then what more are you doing than other people? Do not even the Gentiles do the same thing? This is therefore be perfect or holy as your father is holy. Now I want to say to you, when he was saying, you have heard it said, but I say to you, he wasn't 
he was he was saying you have heard the contents of the law but i'm saying to you that there's a process of the heart that's more important you have heard this content centric or intelligent intellect centric rules the law was intelligent it was here like i see it here i force myself to do it on on my physical body but i say to you do not have a heart that operates that way See, I'm not coming to abolish my father's laws because the laws of the Lord are awesome. They're perfect. It's the best way for a society to get along well. I'm not undoing that, but I want you to see how to do that. And the way you do it is from the inside, from the heart. See, Jesus isn't urging us to disregard the law. He was urging us to guard our hearts. He doesn't want us to change the content. He wants us to change the process. You guys still tracking with me? He's showing us how to be holy as he is holy. Because he only did what he saw the Father do, only said what he heard the Father say. And those things were written on the inside of him, and it affected his outside. Jesus wasn't urging us to replace one law with a new and improved law, one idea with a better philosophy. He was giving us a heart change. That's why in Galatians 3 and in Galatians 5, Paul is so frustrated with them. We talked about this a few weeks ago. You foolish Galatians. Why would you start on the inside with faith and by the Spirit, and now you're trying to, to work it on the outside from the outside? You flip the, you flip the process. Who's bewitched you? And then he goes in, in Galatians 5 verse 1, and he says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And that's not all there is to that verse. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, do not be burdened or yoked with bondage again. In other words, don't come under the bondage of another law. Why am I talking about this? Because I feel like like the church is a a ship and we're turning it into a new direction. We're moving towards, uh, maybe we've been in a harbor and I feel like we're moving out to different seas. I really do feel that. And to do that, we have to move to the to the heart has to be dealt with in the heart how do we how do we usually discipline our kids by their behavior we try not to we're we're reading all the danny silk stuff and loving kids on purpose and we're really trying hard right we're trying really hard to 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 speak to their heart but man when when a kid throws a fit it's really easy to discipline their fit throwing instead of their heart <laughs> like we had a this is so funny i gotta tell it josiah's gonna hate me when he gets older i'm so sorry son <laughs> we're at the house and it's saturday and we're like okay look everybody's got to do their job everyone has a job in the house and you got to do it you got your room is your responsibility your clothes are yours you vacuum your floor you put your stuff that's the way we do things in this house especially as we grow as a family you're gonna have to take your responsibility and Josiah's like, Ugh, I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to play with my friends, whatever. I wanted to go outside. Like, that's fine. You get to do that, just not right now. First things first, right? Like, so both of them had a pouty attitude. And so what do I do? All right, y'all owe me 20 minutes. Not only do you have to do your chores, you got 20 minutes. One son, Matthias, not another peep. Goes to his room and starts doing what he's told to do. And he's completely silent. We don't hear anything from him. For the next 20 minutes, 
It is the craziest thing you ever see. Josiah is like throwing a fit, like angry, frustrated. And he's an external processor, which we need to let him do that sometimes and me not get into it and, you know, fight. But he's an external processor. This is, the, this is so stupid. This is the worst weekend ever, blah, blah, blah. All right, Josiah, if you don't stop yelling because you're running the whole mood of the whole house, we're going to add time to your time. I don't care. All right, five more minutes, Josiah. And then it became the auctioneer. Oh, someone going to be five minutes, going to be ten minutes, going to be ten minutes. And before you know it, Josiah has like 90 minutes of time that he owes us. <laughs> because he, I'm not lying, 90 minutes is, and we probably could have gone a little further. It's because he would not externally yield to us. And I was, ex- I was, no. I was externally battling with my external processor as an external processor. Oh, come on, Josiah. He's like, man, he's like, come on, stop, stop. Like, Josiah, five more minutes. And then what was really funny is we got towards the end. I'm like, all right, five more minutes, Josiah. And he's like, all right, five more minutes. I was like, oh, dear God. And I was like, Josiah, he's like, five more minutes, Dad. Five more minutes. <laughs> I wish we recorded it because it was, it was funny. We started laughing. It brought joy into our home. Mandy and I just literally started belly laughing because how ridiculous it was. But what's the problem there? Yeah, there's a time to do that. But it's so easy to deal with their behavior out here instead of really finding out what's going on inside the heart. And, and so I learned a lesson next time when we start this little auction. I will go to the heart and, and give him a chance in the heart. Or right, Josiah, what's going on in your heart? What, what's the problem here? And, and usually with him, it, it has, on, I'm being completely, it has to do with fun. If it's not fun... It does. He's not gonna like it. He's just Josiah. He's our he's our fun, crazy kid, and so we're gonna battle that probably from now till Jesus comes. But <laughs> I said all that because we do that. We get into these external battles with our children, with our spouse, with whatever's going on, instead of the heart. And then we do the same thing with ourselves and God. Instead of going to Him and saying, "Father God, what do we need to do right now?" We think, "Oh." had a really bad attitude or your wife tells you hey you had a really bad attitude yesterday all right you're right i'm gonna fix my what do we i'm gonna fix my attitude what did i just say i'm gonna fix my attitude man you really depressed yesterday are you all right you reading that google again you reading them google again finding getting depressed all right i'll 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 deal with it i'll i'll fix it i'll get out of it what are we really saying we don't think this way but this is what we're doing we're saying I will clean up my act so that my behavior is more appropriate. And what have we done? We've left the condition of the heart that really matters. We've left it there. So what will happen in three weeks from now when we get bad news? We'll go back into the Google and figure out how bad it can be, and we'll be depressed again. Right? Why? Because it's the heart that matters. That's why Proverbs 4.23 is so critical. Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flows all of life's issues. And why, am I, why is this so important to the church and to where we're going? Because if you and I can learn to process internally with the Father what's going on, the stuff that we, that we have been spending all our time and energy and effort on out here will not exist anymore because our heart will be settled with Him. Is this making sense? How many of you would love to move to the point where there's no more need for self-improvement? Oh, we're there. Hello. I declare right now, you are now at the time in your existence where there is no more need for self-improvement. 
I declare it. No more need for self-improvement. Doesn't that feel... All of us work-based people, doesn't that feel... I, I feel like goose... I really do. Look at them goosebumps. Oh, I don't have to work. I don't have to do this. It's not my response. No, it's not my responsibility. It's a partnership that I have with the Father. He gets to decide. See, if I don't have all the information, I may be addressing the wrong parts of me. Can I tell you a quick story? I was a very ambitious uh, young, young man, young teenager. Like, I didn't think there was anything I couldn't do. And I was ambitious. And I was going to grab the world by the tail. And I was going to take charge, right? And then I begin to hear some sermons and message, messages and things. And I begin to think that ambition was actually a bad thing. And I thought, man, this is actually self-ambition. This is selfish. This is not right. So guess what I decided to do? I decided to, to say this, what I thought was a really spiritual prayer. And I decided to say, you know what? I don't have any more dreams. I don't have any more ambitions. I lay them all down. I have no dreams and no ambitions. And I laid aside a part of me that was actually one of the strengths that God gave me. For a long time, I laid it aside. I even declared it in our youth group. I said it when I preached. I don't have any more dreams. I don't have any more ambitions because I was trying to show I'm not selfish. I'm not promoting myself. I'm not doing any of that. I'm completely, I'm so spiritual. I'm so holy. Look at me. Look how empty I am. It was ridiculous. It was self-righteousness. It was filthy rags before God. And you know what happens in those processes? We lose who we are. When it would have been a really simple adjustment for me to go before God and say, God, I feel like you made me to be very ambitious. I feel like you made me a dreamer, like Joseph. Do you agree? And you know what he would have said? I absolutely agree. You're just like Joseph. You're a dreamer. You're a visionary. You want to take the world. You want to change the world. I made you like that. Then why am I so messed up, God? And he could have easily told me how to fix that and move my ambitions in a healthy way instead of an unhealthy way. But because of my limited information, ambition must be bad, so I've got to get rid of ambition. Some of us come to Jesus, come into Jesus, and everything's great. And then as we move into Christianity, we begin to think that all these old parts of who we were have to be cut off, and they're bad, they're evil. You, you, you can't be that person. Maybe we're dealing with cats, And the flea is the flea. Little bitty flea is the real problem. But because we went external with our fix and our solution, and we didn't go before God and lay on the altar and say, Hey, God, I need surgery. Open me up from the inside out, and please tell me how I can be more pure, how I can be better for you, how I can pursue you with my gifts better. Instead of doing that, we try to fix it ourselves, and we end up killing all the cats. And the cats were actually helping us, not hurting us. Am I telling the truth? Does this make sense to anyone? So when Jesus said, hey, you've heard this said, but I say to this, he was saying, stop thinking from an intellectual, external mindset. Think about the heart. If you fix it in the heart, if we can deal with it internally, it will save so much trouble down the line. Am I telling the truth? Amen.
misdiagnose the problem, mistreat the problem. Amen. <laughs> well, Father, we love you. And I ask that you would just speak to us concerning this. I ask that you would touch our hearts right now. Those things we've been working really hard on, those things we've been trying with lots of effort, I ask that you would take us to the secret place, a place where you wove us and knit us together and show us how we're really supposed to function. If you've, if you've moved into self-righteousness, where what I mean by that is I can fix myself. If you've moved into that, would you tell the Lord you're sorry for that right where you're at? Father, I'm sorry for being self-righteous. I'm sorry for believing the lie that I could fix myself. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we fix the outside because we think it's faster to fix that. When we miss the whole point. Yes, Lord. Uh-huh. You stand. We're going to close it out. Would you keep? Would you close your eyes? I just feel like I need to ask this. Is there, if you're here, is there anyone here, and you know that your relationship with God right now is distant, or it's cold, or it's stale, and you want it to be an adventure, and you want to be in love with Him like you first, like when you first met Him? If that's you, would you just raise your hand and put it right back down? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else? <laughs> This is good. It's a good day, Lord. Anyone else? I just want to say to you, the Lord is so in love with you. He is so passionate about you. And he's pursuing you. He's never forgotten you. There's not one moment of the day he doesn't think about you. (laughs) He sings over you while you sleep. So if, if that was you that raised your hand, would you... Quietly, would we all just say this prayer, all right? We're just going to make a, a commitment, a dedication back to him. If we mean it with our heart, then it's, it's a done deal, right? So, so, Father, we respond to you. Say yes to your call. We love you. And we will pursue you with all of our heart. I ask you right now, to ignite my heart with passion for you. (laughs) I ask that you make this simple again. (laughs) I belong to you. And I know you belong to me. (laughs) Amen to that.
That's good. And next, I just want to ask, how many here would say, I will commit myself to an internal, inside-out relationship with God? Would you, how many would raise your hand and say yes to that? Now, that, that means there's practice that goes involved, that's involved in this. And it's important. Uh, this, is, this is a real critical part to this. We need people that are around us that can say, hey, um, your attitude's out of line. You need to go let the Lord talk, deal with that internally. Or you're expressing frustration right now about something that's insignificant. This is me all the time. Something so stupid will make me so angry. Well, what is that a sign of? There's something else going on. It's not the stupid little thing. It's something else. I don't point at people. <laughs> There's something else. The something else is the need of the heart that's not being met. The need of the internally, it's not being met. And I'm frustrated externally over something insignificant. It just set me off. It was the last straw. No, there was something else. And so we need people to say, hey, check your heart. Check your heart. What does the Lord say? What is, what is going on inside of you right now? You need, we need to ask each other these questions more often. Hey, PJ, what's going on inside of you right now? We ask, hey, how's it going? Do you have a good week, PJ? I ask that anytime I see. Do you have a good week? My third question needs to be, how's your heart? How are, what's going on inside of you right now? That is a community where we stir each other to good deeds and pursuing the Lord. And so will you guys say yes to that? We'll ask, those, ask better questions. How's your heart? You're around someone who's really frustrated. Say, hey, how, how are things going on inside of you? It seems like, seems like there's a storm in there. Can we calm that? Because <laughs> you're affecting the whole mood of the whole place. All right? So, Father, we just say yes to that as a bridge church, that we will pursue you in, inside out. <laughs> we will ask one another better questions. We'll be more concerned with what's going on inside than what we see outside, God. I ask that you would help us to do this. Help us to carry this out in our, in our own personal life with you in our marriages, in our relationships with friends and family, and in our community as a church, God, I ask that you would help us to pursue a heart-to-heart -heart connection with you and with one another. I thank you for what you're doing. I'm excited, God. I'm hopeful. I'm filled with hope, God, of what's going on right now. I have the joyful anticipation of good. Father, I ask that you would bless everyone here in this room. I ask that you would continue the process that you've started inside of them. And I ask that you would relieve the tension. Father, those like me that are work-based and striving-based, I ask that you would take that weight off of us. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. Father, I ask that you would bless everyone here. For those that need healing, for those that need deliverance, I ask that you would bring it right now. God, I thank you for those that said they want to be close to you today. They want to renew their commitment to you. I thank you for that. God, we ask that you do that every week. <laughs> In Jesus' name. If you want personal prayer, actually. Sorry. I, um, <laughs> I, I just want to confirm kind of what, I mean, the, the spirit of the Lord um, was upon what he said. And the reason I said that, he was this week, it's just, Last Sunday, the Lord began to stir something in me where I felt like I had, I felt a sense of urgency and something I wanted to share with you guys. And I didn't. And my husband, I told him that I felt, you know, that I felt that, but I never told him what it was. And he said, uh, this week he would joke around and say, you're preaching. And even last night you're preaching tomorrow. And I'm like, no, you know, I don't, 
I haven't, no, I haven't, you know, got any, I haven't studied, I haven't got anything down. I said, but um, but I do feel an urgency for something. And I still didn't tell him what it was. And then lo and behold, he shared today what it was. And it was really funny because this weekend I got a moment where I was in the car to go pick up food. And I felt like the Lord um, spoke to me. And in my mind, I thought, oh, there's no way. That's so hard to explain. I don't even know how to explain that to the people, you know. But I knew it was like what what I felt. It all went together. And it was the Lord, you know, the purpose of the law was to reveal our need for a Savior. That, that was the whole, that was it. And it's so funny could it, because it all boils down to the Lord was showing me, Mandy, it's one thing to choose to trust him, to choose to not have fear. You know, it's one thing to do those things. It's, that's one thing. But he wanted me to go deeper. He was telling me, but it's a whole other thing to be in my presence and, and to allow yourself to have that soul connection to allow him to minister to your soul. That's a whole other thing. We can't get by on just praying and reading the Bible and just choosing not to, you know, making those daily choices. Cause we all get afraid. We all stress. We all go through these things, but I heard the Lord saying, no, it's, there's something critical for every one of our relationships, our intimacy with the father. And it's that solitude time with him. Something happens to our soul. If we don't make time for him, where it's the presence of Jesus, it's the presence of the father in his spirit ministering to our soul. And I just, that was the urgency that I felt with the hustle and bustle of school with this all, you know, doing all this. I just felt like such, such an urgency for us to get that time and protect it and guard it with everything that we have. There, there should be daily time. And this isn't, I'm not telling you, you know, get before in the Bible or anything. It's just that, you know, I didn't have but probably 10 minutes in the car where I was alone. And it was that quick that the Lord was just ministering to my soul. And, um, you know, this was a process that he started me this summer. And my soul was hurting and very tired, very tired. And I was sick. And, um, but I didn't know that I did what I didn't know. I didn't know that I was sick because I felt like I was still surrendering my heart to him. Right. I'm still, you know, doing the things that we know to do, but it wasn't until the Lord called me to that solitude place that then, I mean, he knew my soul needed so much more and it's only what he can give. So I just want to, um, confirm the word because I know that's a word from the Lord and and I just I hear him saying just find that solitude time don't let's not get busy no matter our schedules will always be busy but please don't forsake the presence of Jesus don't forsake being alone with him and just being with him and whatever you know nothing's off limits and whatever he will do or just simply be with you that that's it so I just I don't know if that helps to clarify between the choosing to not be afraid, you know, us doing our daily things and then our solitude time with him. I don't know, but I just pray, Holy Spirit, just make it very clear to us. I just pray that it would make sense to our souls, our spirits. And um, we just love you. And we just thank you that you're so in tune with every detail of our life. And you're so in tune with our heart. And Lord, you know what our heart needs. 
you know what our mind needs. You know, you know every bit of us. And Lord, I just pray that you would give us wisdom and you would give us strategy just to, and even just the will to want to protect that time with you and, and to give you free reign. I know that's how our hearts will be right before you. Our hearts will remain soft and tender towards you and others, Lord. And we just love you and we thank you that you're all knowing and you know what we need. And we just declare that we need you today. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you would like prayer, we would love to pray with you. So we just want to invite you to come up. And I do want to encourage you, please don't leave without asking at least one person what the Lord's doing in them. Okay, can we do that? Just find out what the Lord's doing. I always love hearing. It's always an encouragement to me to hear what the Lord's doing in each of us. So you guys be blessed. We love y'all.